Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. My name is Sunny. I am your host. I am here with my co-host, Caleb. Hello. And we are joined by a very special guest, the one and only Hakuna, my data. What is going on, dude? Hey, thanks for having me. So, before we get too far in, I am just going to run really quick through our Patreons and things like that. So... We, of course, want to thank Cam Yang, Austin Johnson, Salix, Kane, Martin Gate, Guardian Support, HGH Cyber, Marshawn Jones, Witchcrafter Main 2022, Zyphrus, Zephyrius, AD, Aaron Gardner, Anthony Leela, Branded Fart, Brandon, Cult of the Eldritch Gummy Bear, Damian Zink, Dank Nugs, Invoked Fart, Mountain Man, Nico Gal, Number One Bottom Text. Y'all are so wild. Oatmeal Spaghetti, Owen Alvarado, Pig, Rudolph, Sneaky Links. Sunny used stubbornness. It was super effective. You're not wrong. Unbanned number 95, Konami, virtually Savior's World. What does Pot of Greed do? Yadagarasu is my spirit, dual spirit. Zingus Khan, Luber the Goober, Get Kaiju, the loser. Maxi Saul's Combo, Nordic Best Deck, Old Man Red, Ray Powell, Shockmaster did nothing wrong, and Slaking it up. Thank you all for your continued support of the podcast. And I gotta say, I am enjoying these names more and more by the week. It They are, every time we read off those patron names, it, and they just, they change. They change every week, and it's just so funny. So, and of course, we also want to remind everybody to, if you're shopping for singles or sealed product, check out our TCG Player affiliate link. And if you're shopping for some sleeves or things like that, be sure to check out our Dragon Shield affiliate link. You can get that wonderful hand shuffle in action. Yep, it sounds great. And the cards feel great. Every time I sleeve up some 
Dragon Shields, they feel wonderful. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get on into the actual meat of the content. So, so James, why don't you tell people before we get too far in a little bit about your channel, the things that you put out on your channel and how you cover different things. Sure. So I started my channel almost two years ago. Uh, I started end of July in 2020. And so originally I actually started out uh, purely as like a Cyber Dragon channel. Uh, at the time that I started my channel, I only had ideas for a few videos in terms of how to play Cyber Dragons, rulings, that sort of stuff. And I thought that was going to be it for my channel. But then eventually I uh, decided to try to produce some kind of data related content. So nowadays, a lot of my videos, it's more on a monthly basis. You, you know, these meta analysis of top ranked players on Dueling Book, what they're playing some of the win percentage for some of the uh, most played decks as well as I recently started doing sort of these tier lists using dueling book data as well and also I would say another common data content would be something like uh, the most played hand traps and staples and topping lists from YCS or LCS or nationals for example like that and occasionally I do some survey videos one of the, my favorite videos actually is uh, before every ban list season, doing a prediction survey and getting people's results and showing what those results are. So that's sort of a gist of my channel. Mostly data content at this point. I do still provide uh, some Cyber Dragon content at least once a month. Uh, but yeah, sort of two different, completely different sides of <laughs> uh, the game. Yeah, for sure. So I think it would be fair to say that to do the coverage that you do, you have to be a pretty insightful or at least know a little bit about what's going on within the metagame as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I certainly try my best. I would say uh, my weakness as a player is that I, I personally find that I don't have as much time to play too much nowadays, especially having to create videos now on top of, of course, I actually work full time. Uh, something else YouTube is just on the side for fun as well as playing. And then you also want to, uh, for example, I want to spend time with my girlfriend. So. Uh, for example, so that's why typically I've always only played Cyber Dragons because it was just the one deck that I knew pretty well, and only recently I started playing another deck. So I, I I try my best to learn the meta that way in terms of just going against all the other decks rather than ideally you want to actually play all the tier one decks so you know what they do more thoroughly. So that's sort of my weakness. And then doing these uh, meta analysis of top ranked players, it certainly helps just seeing what these top ranked players are playing because they end up actually being a sort of good predictor for what's actually going to do well at in-person events. Right, right. And then the just like seeing what all the all these deck lists and just like actually counting, you know, how often certain hand traps are played or staples are played. It it does it gives a pretty good sense, but I certainly could do a better job at understanding the meta if I actually took more time to play, especially different decks. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. The interesting thing about being a content creator and wanting to play the game is that there's a delicate balance between living your normal personal life and putting out content for all of your viewers or listeners in our case, and also putting out, you're being able to like attend tournaments and go out and play and then play test before a big tournament and things like that. It's, it's a really delicate balance to be able to hit all of those things mm -hmm, for sure and for example so this coming saturday yeah. i actually have the very first regionals like in toronto it's the first in-person regional since the pandemic started and right. i just have not had much time to test it all and honestly at this point i just feel like i'm probably gonna not do very well anyways because i haven't tested much and 
like, I, and I'm also balancing like whether I should start working on a meta analysis video for June, like this week, or wait until after regionals. But now at this point, I'm thinking maybe I just do it this week anyways, even though it reduces the little time I already had for testing, just because I'm I'm not even sure if I would do well anyways. Because, yeah. So it's like it's like a balance because you also want to have a pretty consistent schedule, right? Like I want to be able to post at least once a week, and so if I put this off till after regionals, then it becomes like almost like two weeks since my last video, and so yeah, it's it's sort of a uh, balance. So and that's not to say though that you haven't had any met any success before though. I think you topped one of the remote dual YCSs, right? Yeah. So that was that was really wild. I didn't expect to do well <laughs> and I, I was just i was just like flabbergasted i, I remember i started like 6-0 and i'm like oh you know what okay because originally i was like a lot of people that was the very first remote ycs and you were guaranteed like a play mat and i forget what else for entry uh, oh field center i guess on top of your pack so i was like okay like maybe i'll just play like the three rounds and drop just get my stuff uh, but i ended up doing really well and uh, so i had prior to that i attended only one ycs in my life uh which was niagara that was 2019. So, and, and I guess I should clarify, I started playing competitively beginning of 2019. So I actually played longer in the pandemic than I have in real life. So <laughs> I probably, I think I played in four regionals in my life as well. So I haven't actually had many opportunities for competitive events. So yeah. it's ironic because I topped the YCS, but I've never topped a regional before. So hopefully <laughs> we, and I had a, set up all these like baby step goals to get there in terms of like oh okay let's like top a regional then let's try making day two out of ycs and then maybe eventually top a ycs but ironically i ended up hitting my final goal first <laughs> and then now i gotta work backwards i suppose well i think that for what it's worth you should keep up your current pace and just forget regionals and just keep topping ycs's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, though, I'm not much of a person to travel for events. Niagara is the only YCS, basically, I would ever be attending. Cause, so I live in Toronto. Niagara Falls is about, like, an hour and 20 minutes, maybe, drive. So that's certainly uh -huh. reasonable for me. And sadly, that's the only YCS in Canada. Hopefully, they eventually Gently, bring some yeah. more. Well... So what you're saying is we're going to see you at YCS Niagara this September, oh, right? You guys got, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll certainly be there. Yeah, we're well, Caleb's not going, but I'm flying up from Louisiana. Okay, how long is the flight for that one? Um, I catch my plane at 5.50 and 5.40 in the morning in New Orleans. So I drive four hours to New Orleans the night before. Oof. And then I catch my plane at 5.40 in the morning. And then I fly to Baltimore and then from Baltimore to Buffalo and then drive 45 minutes or about basically an hour once you cross the border uh, mm. from Buffalo to Niagara. Wow, that's, so that's, that's commitment. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll leave it. I'll get to the airport at probably like quarter to five in the morning and I'll get to Niagara around noon. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And then on the way back, I get to the airport at five in the morning in Buffalo and then I have to um so I leave I'll leave the Airbnb at like 4 a.m get to the airport at 5 and then I won't get home until like 7 or 8 p.m yeah <laughs> yeah no that's great commitment and then work the next day it's better oh, than wow. Charlotte <laughs> we drove overnight from Charlotte to Charlotte 13 and a half hours oh I think I, I read your tweets on that journey yeah no that's that's great yeah, it was it was a journey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I would love to get into a little bit more of the actual meta analysis and breakdown that we have promised per the episode title and such at this point, I'm sure. So we have a really interesting results from YCS Hartford, which was this past weekend. So a top 32 breakdown consisted of seven Swords Ultenyi, seven Punk, which was three Adventure and then two Therian. And then six Branded, which was four Despia Branded and two Eldritch Branded. Three Fluanderese, three Sky Striker, one of which was an adventure and one of which won the event. Right. Then you had two Drytron, one Adagnister, one DDD, one Dragon Link Adventure, and one ABC Adventure, which that deck actually went undefeated in Swiss. Ooh. And then he suffered from the undefeated curse and he lost in top cut. <laughs> but... Still very, very, very cool list. And I got to say, this is a really cool breakdown, in my opinion. I think that it's a, despite there being basically three decks that control the top of the meta, it's really interesting to see how diverse the meta actually is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, certainly the uh, Obelisk structure decks near the end of last format really uh, made it better for the format. Oh, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Obelisk structure decks. For, to, yeah, obelisk uh, tormentor. Like the obelisk structure or obelisk strike, right? Like where branded despia became like essentially. Oh, the despia albas. Albas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you said the obelisk structure deck. Oh like, no, no, no! <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Did I no, miss no, no. something? I'm, yeah. I'm about that one. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the. The Albash structure deck definitely shook up the meta a lot, but you would think that with the release of that Despia structure deck plus the ban list, everybody just kind of assumed that Despia was far and away the best deck. But mm. really, when you look at it, with between the regional tops and what you see from the um, and what you see from the YCS. It's really not that clear cut. I mean, a huge percentage of regional tops and the actual tops from the event were Sword Soul. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that we have so much Sword Soul in the format after they took basically a hit with the banning of of uh, Aurora. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been an interesting journey for Sword Soul because I remember as I was doing these meta analysis when Sword Soul first became tier one, it was just like by far the most played deck, and then eventually it just uh, lost uh, in favor quite a bit, and then it was just more so like Tenny piles that people were playing, the sixty card with right. the Brave Token Engine and everything, and then now uh, as the format for the last format was near nearing its end, Sword Soul became uh, once again popular, and then now it's essentially like. Arguably, I guess, the best deck in terms of representation. Uh, certainly really, really consistent. And I'm at least glad they don't have Protos anymore. Back then, that oh, was yeah, really, sure. really rough to play against. But it, it's it's still like a fair deck. Same with Branded Despia as well. Yeah, I could not imagine having to deal... Or, well, other people having to deal with Sword <laughs> Soul with Protos. I, I play Sword Soul, so okay. I, I would be fine with it. But and, All yeah. my poor opponents. 
and the and the punk stuff is really cool too. That's now with the Regulus, and it's it's really interesting. I, I was just at locals the other Friday, and I saw my friend playing like the punk dude, and and it's like, man, it's it's actually pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, like good grind game yeah. sets up a good turn one board. It's it's yeah, and, and like just like the field spell is pretty good in terms of battle protection. It's it's a little like unique nice. in that sense. The Pump Theory in deck is, it really caught me off guard. It kind of came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I actually played in, me and Kayla went to a case tournament this past weekend. And my only loss in Swiss was to Adventure Punk Theory in. Mm -hmm. And Bruh, that my, deck is crazy. My round one was against, um, was against at least Punk Theory. And I didn't see any, I didn't see him play any of the adventure stuff. And he would end on a board of like, um, let's see, it was Regulus, uh, Jet Synchron, Hot Red Dragon Arch, uh, Hot Red Dragon Archfiend, uh, Abyss, the one that target negates, and mm -hmm. Halk. And then after they would do their Red Dragon Archfiend negate, they tag the the Halk of Firebrax out into a uh, formula. formula Synchron and make uh, King Calamity. Oh, ho, 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 ho. there's also you know the fourteen. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. go, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Yeah, you know, King Calamity, the 4K beat stick who makes where you can't activate cards or effects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That card's crazy. And there's like another lock available in this deck where essentially it's like with Hulk, um, it brings out, I forget the name, it's some Naturia monster that's a tuner, and it's essentially it's like your opponent can only activate one spell or trap card for the turn. And then Rose Whip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since Theory and King uh, negates effects, and it's, <laughs> it's pretty funny too. Yeah, it it's a really it's a really good deck. I've seen the Rose Whip more in the the Plant Link deck, which mm. surprises me that we saw zero tops from that deck right. at the YCS. That deck is really good. Yeah, I think maybe people came over prepared for it possibly, and it just couldn't get any gas going. Was that the yeah. one that Jesse and Pack were playing, like branded Predator Plant, or is that different? No, so there's a plant link deck running around mm -hmm. that's built around the Sun Avalon engine. Okay. And it ends on a board with the Naturia Rose Whip that you were talking about, plus the Therian Regulus, and with Lily equipped to it. And it also ha ends on like one or two other negates and pops. Like it, it, it actually ends on a crazy board. <laughs> it ends on literally like five interruptions. Yeah, the, the Plant Link deck really is crazy. I think it might be a, just a little bit fragile. Mm. But I know that it got it made some noise topping some regionals last weekend or the weekend before. Mm. I know that Trell from Team APS topped a regional in Mississippi with it. That was, like I said, that was that was last weekend. So not not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Right, right. So it's definitely a good deck that's worth looking at, but it's like I said, it's it says a lot that it's not in the top cut here of the YCS. I think it might just be a little too sensitive to getting hand trapped. Potentially, it, yeah. But so we have Swordsold Tenny representing seven of top cut, and we have Punk representing also seven of top cut at the YCS, and then. We get into the branded engine and the branded deck, really. It's not. Yeah. It's interesting that the branded deck is evolving the way it is. 
like like you mentioned, it has the Preta Plant engine being teched into it. And so it cuts down on some of the Despia cards and adds in a lot of the Preta Plant cards. And we didn't see any of them top, mm-hmm. but we did see a lot of buyouts caused by it. Yeah. The deck is good, but I honestly think that pure branded running the patchwork engine and running allures might be a little bit more consistent. I think that it's just a little bit more subject to Droll and Lockbird. Hmm. So it would be interesting to see the usage of Droll and Lockbird right now, because I think that it's a very, very underestimated card right now. Yeah, so, and it's interesting because as, you know, as I do these like, hand trap videos and, and like whatever topping list, uh, Droll has been falling the last couple, last few months, I would say, uh, even though at one point it was always sort of like, you know, the most played hand trap, for example, depending on the format. But I think, yeah, it, you're right. It certainly uh, can be pretty good. Uh, Punk Fearing, if I recall, it's actually quite vulnerable to Droll as well. And then... Yes. And then Drytron, if if they're coming back too because of Bentana too of course Droll is uh, certainly good and Flunder it's technically good except when they have Shifter then you can't use it which is why it's so unfortunate same thing with Ogre too so yeah otherwise it certainly be good against Flunder because it's, it's hard to play against Flunder if they have Shifter in general right and I think it's really interesting to see how those cards like Droll and Ogre and Nib have really fallen hard out of the format. But I think at the end of the day, what you have to think about is it, it makes sense that Ogre is falling out of the format because it's okay against Sword Soul and with less adventure running around, it's not quite as powerful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But Nib, in a, in a time where nobody is respecting Nib because of its not being prevalent in the format, if anything, that makes it better than ever yeah and, uh, well because yeah. people aren't, right now aren't bothering to put out the negate before summon five because people don't expect the nibs so you right. can on summon five you can really punish them yeah and i see a lot of sword soul players getting really greedy and going for the draw two line and it's really just it's not worth getting turbo nibbed over yeah, and I'm glad you brought it up because I was actually surprised myself when I was doing the breakdown of most played hand traps for the Nats. It was just before the YCS uh, this past weekend, and Nip was actually like the third most played hand trap. And at a time where you would think, you know, okay, like Branded Despia, it's not really good against it. Flunder doesn't do anything, and but yeah, you know, it's like it's like catching people off guard and just good against combo decks in general. So yeah, for sure. So we also have three Fluandries. Flunder is an interesting deck here to me because I guess without these decks running multiple shooting risers now because of the ban list and not really trying to send Necro World Banshee to utilize with Zombie World, Flunder has kind of come back into the format with a vengeance. But I just, I know that three of them topped the YCS, but. I can't convince myself that it's good. <laughs> it's, it might have been more. It might have been less the deck in those in those three cases, and more the duelist. Potentially. What were you gonna say? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, so in terms of the banshee, though, uh, a lot of people are still playing because of branded fusion. They would still send that and Albus to someone like Lubellian. 
yeah you still have the banishing grave that's personally what i'm doing as well uh one of my decks uh but yeah i mean thunder it has a high like floor if you know what i mean it's it's like it'll always do like pretty well like it's just it'll always do something yeah it's like super consistent and it just i mean it has cards like Featherstorm, D Shifter, and Wind Berry Statue, which are just like really blowout cards for against yeah, a lot it's of super decks. Yeah, super aggressive cards. Yeah, exactly, oh, exactly. And, and and also, it's it's like a fairly budget deck. So in terms of like IRL events, I mean YCS, I mean you know people are traveling for these events. They're most likely doesn't matter how much the deck is. They're probably going to be uh, looking forward to like or they're going to look to get whatever cards they they need. But for example, like some regional event level events, you know. The, there's still going to be players that are going to be bound by some form of budget uh, and Flunder, like you can still get a really complete deck for a pretty good price and especially now with the reprint of Mega Ryza exactly. the whole deck you can get the whole yeah. deck for probably 60 or 70 bucks mm-hmm. what are impens going for right now like 6 or 7 dollars yeah 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 maybe yeah. 10 yeah because the last time I looked at them they were 30 a piece too fair I only need one copy I don't think they were ever 30 except maybe on pre-sale no, I think they were like sixty on pre-sale. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, neither do I, because that was a long time ago, and I really wasn't looking to build it. So I just know that the the quick play spells are like fifteen. Oh no, and bins are they're like eleven, twelve dollars. Okay. I, yeah, I know the quick play spells are like fifteen, and the maps are like eight or nine. Yeah. So closer to a hundred dollars to build the deck, because then you can just fill up your extra deck, which is whatever. Well, well, I suppose you... Prosperity is probably then the most expensive card in the deck. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you really need to play that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could you run could... Extra out. Yeah, you could just go mm-hmm. Extra out Duality, oh, I guess, for a budget version. Yeah, Duality. <laughs> yeah, but if you're on Extra out Duality, then I think that... Fornicate Los Dos. Is Extra out the one that makes it to where you cannot add cards from your deck to uh, your hand, except by... No. Hold on. Let, uh, let me pull up Extra out. Uh, you cannot draw any. Okay, so you can do extra duality. Yeah, yeah, but you can't. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you can do uh, prosperity duality. No, prosperity's prosperity. Wait, like, you, you said prosperity says you can't draw cards for the rest of your turn. Yeah, so does extra. Right, you're not drawing with duality. That's right. That's right. So you, yeah. So no matter what, you can do. Duality plus uh, extra or prosperity. Prosperity is so much better. <laughs> True. You, you can dig deeper and select the card rather than just draw the top two. Off, just get the two off the top. Yeah, for sure. Uh, prosperity is one of the best cards in the game right now. I, I would. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see the usage rates on that card actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if part of desires got limited, I mean, now it's back to two again. But I'm sure prosperity will get some kind of hit at some point. It definitely should. Yeah, I think it will. Um. Next, we have Sky Striker. Got three tops. This is this is cool, but at the same time worrying because the deck that won the event was just Mystic Mind Turbo. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair with the Sky Striker tops, I'm pretty sure our boy Coleslaw was really happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Austin was very happy. Yeah, we call him Coleslaw. I know. <laughs> Austin was very happy about that, but um, at what cost? At what cost? <laughs> Everything. Hopefully this gets Mystic Mind banned in the TCG. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. I mean, Sky Striker though, like 
if you bought it right from when it first became tier one this pretty much was like the best investment you could ever make for a deck uh it's just been good for so long but mystic mine i i certainly have never been a fan of it it's just terrible to play against I, even though i could play it in the decks that i play i just don't because <laughs> i just don't right but you know Same. it's certainly like people argue like it's it's like some will say it's a necessary evil and i'm not sure i mean i think it's a wildly unnecessary evil. <laughs> it's funny though because when mystic mind first released that was when sky striker was tier one and at that point if if it had to get hit it should have been like right from the get-go actually because at that point when striker was already tier one and they were playing triple mystic mind it was like meta versus at three it was just insane and they ended up just putting metaverse to one <laughs> it's like wow okay yeah yeah so you went from running one two three four five six seven copies to yeah. five copies yeah exactly next we have drytron with two drytron is a very very cool top in my opinion i mean they just got benton uh second benton back mm -hmm. yeah which was huge for the deck but they still don't have eva that's fine yeah i'm perfectly fine with that mm -hmm. <laughs> I honestly think that three Benton would be too much, though. Yeah, it it's one of those things where once you hit a, as you've said several times before, a um, critical mass, critical mass, then things just become untenable. Yeah, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, Drytron's really strong. Even with Benton at one, just like last one, I, I still felt like if you let if they win that one, and they get to go first. Like there's they're still very like formidable, and the Eva band like. The one thing, so for example, when I was playing Cyber Dragons, it's like a going second deck. What was really hard against Drytron was, aside from like Herald, is that the orange Heralds that were activating from hand, like when you're going second, like you just, you can't stop that, right? And that's what was like just so hard with that deck because, it, you know, it's essentially like Gamma, except they control right. and they're still like, you just like, there's like no going second cards where you can like, other than call by, I suppose. But that's just one card, so that's limited. Right, exactly. So that, you, you, you got like, to because then they would just like recycle another orange, and it was just <laughs> really difficult going second. Yeah, for sure. I don't. The other thing about this deck is it's it still has the ability to sight block. Yeah, just... I know. And same with like pendulums. Not that they're in this conversation, but it's just I, I was surprised Scythe was still not banned. Yeah, it really should have been. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, sure that it wasn't. Uh, to be fair, they they did hit, they did address it, but they didn't like mm -hmm. address it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, they hit Verte, so they hit the DPE yeah. engine, and yeah. they didn't touch Scythe. Ah, I got it. I got it. They they said there was an elephant in the house, but didn't tell you what room it was in. <laughs> <laughs> they should have Something at least. Like that. Yeah, they should have at least hit Dagda if they weren't going to hit Ban Scythe, but, yeah. I mean, they could have just banned Scythe. That would have yeah, been fine, too. That, that's what they should do, but, yeah. <laughs> we'll just have to... Even the decks that are tagging out Baron in the standby phase of the opponent's turn to summon Scythe. Yeah. I, I mean, just unnecessary to leave it into the game, honestly. Yeah, and it's like, in Brighton, you can, like, search off Benten, too, so... Yeah. Yep. It's pretty bad. It, it's ridiculous. <laughs> don't even need to run Tacta. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know if it's just Pendulums, but the... Oh, I forget the name. The, 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 the Synchro they, they bring off of Hulk. The, the Wonder Magician? The, yeah, and then, and then you go into yeah. Baron. <laughs> yep. It's like, wow. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then the Drytron deck actually also runs Baron. Oh, so yeah. you can literally use you can use Ben 10 to search Scythe, and then use Set Scythe, and then activate Baron to pop the Scythe on your field to put it in Grave. And then during this, like, build up the rest of your board, and then in standby phase, you can use Baron to summon back Scythe plus the rest of your board, which is multiple negates. Hmm. So... Uh, the best scythe locking deck in the West. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, we have. I have it pulled up here. At Ignister. Was this a fluke? Or is At Ignister actually like a good deck? And I'm just not giving it credit. Um, I mean, At Ignister, in my opinion, are a good deck. In my opinion. Yeah, and and whenever I look at like meta analysis of like top ranked players on DB, like there's always at least one player that's like running at Ignister, and if you focus on rogue decks too, then it's like, there's actually quite a lot. And from my understanding, like, Branded Despia would ha- actually have a hard time outing Arrival at Ignister if they were to able to get it to, like, 5,000, 6,000 attack. I mean, right. like, at the very least, they get it at 4,000, but then with, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Ash Dragon, it could get over that. And then I, I'm right. not sure if Flunder can out Arrival at Ignister if Flunder's going second. It's the same reason that a lot of Sword Soul decks are running the new Psychic and Punisher card. Mm. He's just a big idiot that a lot of decks can't deal with. Yeah, yeah it's true. I mean, I was playing, like, prior to Brand of Fusion coming out, I was, like, when I was playing Dogmatic and Vocalage, I'm like, I, I literally cannot out this thing unless I just hard rock hide you. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty potent if it goes first. Plays a lot of hand traps and it's pretty consistent. For sure. Next, we have DDD. Uh, only one. This is the remnants of PAX influence mm-hmm. making people love this deck and it coming to light. And then it not really holding up long term. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, mean, don't get us wrong. I, I think I really think it's a really cool deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, if you know where to hit it, it can be pretty fragile. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a hard deck to pilot. And it is <laughs> very fun. Yeah, you have to keep the spreadsheet with you while you're playing. <laughs> Hold on, just print out a custom map that's just a spreadsheet. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you do. There's literally like an entire like flow chart and spreadsheet of like how to pilot the deck under under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean that uh, the DD Griffin was really really good card for the deck, and uh, it's 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 interesting. It has some unique cards. In terms of like what they for do sure. for interruptions, like their field spell is kind of, it's it's like a headache to <laughs> think it through when you're lining up, line, like doing your plays. But yeah, it's, it's it's a really cool deck. Yeah. Next we have Dragon Link Adventure. My brother in Christ, it's 2022. You're still playing Dragon Link. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, well, obviously it's still a good deck. I mean, it's not terrible. To be fair, it's also one of those decks that if you buy the if you buy it if you pick it up because right now it's really cheap, you know you got a deck for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right now the deck is mostly rogue. Yeah, it's, it's same thing with like Dino and a bunch of other uh, decks are just like they're good enough to where they can still compete even though they're rogue, and you can even top some locals with them. And obviously, you can also get to. Day two of YCS with them. Top thirty-two of YCS. Yeah, top thirty-two of YCS with them. Um, 
but you know, it's it's just one of those things, man. It's it's a good it's, it means good deck, it's a good package. Very, I think part of part of the reason why it's so prevalent and it just continuously uh, comes back again and again and again. It's just how versatile the actual deck itself is, because the only locking the deck does against the player is Dark Dragons out of the extra deck. Right. And that's if you go down the rocket line. Right. Yeah, the deck is definitely okay. I think the Adventure Engine helps it out a lot. Especially saying that they don't need their normal summon. Right. And the last deck is honestly maybe the most interesting deck in the entire top cut. ABC Adventure. And I'm sure that this deck was playing at least one theory in King Regulus. Yeah, I know. it was it was I played against one just like online. It was like I thought it was like so cool. Like the theory and stuff is like really good with this deck because it just like equips the pieces essentially. Like the right. ABC pieces rather. Uh, and it just like gets your bodies and it's, yeah, it's 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 nuts, especially with the Brave Engine stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this deck is very <laughs> Excuse me. I think that the deck is very it's very hit or miss. I think that this dude saw Union Hanger in every opening hand in his entire like rounds of Swiss. It's entirely possible. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not saying that you can't win without Union Hanger, but Union Hanger's a heck of a card. Mm -hmm. It helps. Yeah. I love the deck. I really do. I think that ABC Adventure is very, very strong, actually. I think that the deck really lives or dies by seeing Union Hanger, though. So. But yeah. It, I mean, if you got the Union Hanger, though, you got a heck of a board. Yeah, no full one. <laughs> So I want to take just a moment before we go into a little bit more discussion about meta-analysis to thank our sponsor. So a huge thank you, of course, to ETB Games in Alexandria, Louisiana. ETB Games is our locals. They sponsor the podcast, and they are a great one-stop shop to go to to get everything that you need for all the games that you love. You can get singles and sealed product, deck boxes, sleeves, playmats, binders, and all of those things for all the card games that you love, like Yu-Gi-Oh, Match of the Gathering, Pokemon, Digimon, and whatever else. They also have everything that you need for all of your tabletop gaming needs, such as they have figurines, paint for figurines, dice, big tabletop mats, and the guidebooks, and everything that you need for all those games that you love. So be sure to check them out, ETB Games. Their link is in the description down below. And without further ado, let's get back on into the episode. So I think that the coolest revelation coming out of this event was the prevalence and the come up of the two different engines, the Punk Engine and the Therian Engine. I think that this was the first time that we really see a huge showing from these. And it says a lot that they took up the percentage of top cut that they did. Even if the Therian Engine was more of a splash in a few different decks, I think that it is strong enough now to where we can say that reliably that it is good, at least as an engine, right? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the punk engine and talk about what makes it so good and so powerful. 
So, of course, you have the ZMN. Having the ability to e-telly the card out is obviously extremely strong. And have, it searches out the Foxy Tune, which lets you get further into your lines of play and you still haven't used your normal summon. So it pairs extremely well with the adventure engine. I think overall that this is maybe one of the strongest decks in the meta. It's a kind of a new arrival, but overall, I think that this is a deck that if you're playing on a competitive level, you absolutely have to respect it and you have to know what the deck does. That way you can know how to properly interrupt it. Is that, is that a fair assessment? I mean, yeah, you, you put it very succinctly. I, I can't think of anything to add to that. Yeah, no, that's good. So, the theory and engine is interesting, and I like that it's being splashed in a variety of different ways. It's being splashed in the Plant Link deck because of the Liliborea being able to be searched in the Plant Link deck. Then you also have it being played in things like ABC Adventure. And then you also have it being played as a much bigger package in the punk deck. So you end up with, you can play it either in specific decks and specific lists where let's say I want to run Earth Machine. I played against Theory and Earth Machine this past weekend at the case tournament. Ooh. Yeah, it's a very cool deck. It really is. So seeing that and seeing the splashability of this engine throughout multiple different decks you know like i said earth machine abc decks like that you have the opportunity to play this theory king regulus for this powerful negate which is something that the earth machine deck has been missing up to this point you know the deck can deep draw through the deck draw into multiple hand traps and do a lot but the one thing that the deck had trouble doing was putting out a significant negate on turn zero and now they have the ability to do that, which is not the strongest end board in the world, but it's a lot better than what they had. Which was nothing. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, and um, Cyber Dragons also play a small Therian package, uh, just the Regulus and the Field Spell, because uh, it, it's kind of interesting, because if you equip like original Cyber Dragon with uh, Therian King, or I guess technically any, well, no, yeah, it has to be Therian King, but uh, because of Kamertech Fortress, uh, you can actually still contact Fuse, even if Cyber Dragon's like an equipped spell with other machines. So then you right. can, with other machines on the field, then you make Fortress. And technically, Regulus and Fortress, they're both level 8, so you could, if you wanted to, like overlay into like Dingirsu <laughs> and like oh, card. So it's it's cool. And, and the battle protection is actually quite nice as well. I mean, because typically, like Cyber Dragon Infinity, it, it's pretty weak. Like, usually it ends up being like 2500 attack. And then you have All Mirage that would provide like a card destruction protection and now you have the field spell for battle protection so it's kind of nice but it's not nearly as good as all the other decks we've talked about though <laughs> yeah i think that's worth mentioning though right mm -hmm. uh, i think you said you have a regional this coming weekend uh yeah yeah and and then if i don't know if you also saw that new card that's coming out in animation chronicles i think it's a uh, clockwork something essentially Turns, every, <laughs> turns yeah. every monsters to a uh, machine. So that's good for Cyber Dragons. And then it has like an additional effect where you can like banish it from the grave, discard a card, and then I think it was like add an earth machine from deck to hand, which means yeah. you could add Therian King. So it's, it's, it's pretty funny. I, 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 I'm looking forward to that card. It's going to be funny. 
Yeah, we actually haven't covered that card yet on the podcast. Normally, we cover all the new card releases, mm. but we took last Friday off just to kind of give ourselves a break, to be honest with you, because we record a lot. Yeah. So we took last Friday off, and we haven't had a chance to talk about the card yet. But that card is crazy. Yeah, that card's really cool, and it gives you a reason to run Foolish Barrow Goods and a lot of different machine decks. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because, so that card was an anime card and uh, someone in the Cyberdyne Facebook group, like exactly a year ago, posted saying like, oh, imagine if this card was like uh, printed in real life and everyone's like, oh, you're crazy, this card's too good. <laughs> and then they actually made it better than what it was in the anime uh, because of, of that ad uh, Earth Machine effect. I don't, I think the original in the anime was just purely like everything, turns to machines and then the attack modification, uh, which is kind of cool as well. And yeah. For Cyber Dragon, though, it's funny that attack boost can actually be a downside as well because for Machine Dupe, the machine has to be 500 or less attack, and then now right. none of them will be. Uh, although, the other thing, Cyber Dragon is actually, weirdly enough, what they struggle with is like high against high attack monsters, actually. Um, because, yeah. like, getting Seeger and Rampage is ideal, but that's actually sort of hard to do to get enough extenders for that. Uh, like, consistently, I mean. So Infinity yeah. is typically like 2,500. And now that we lost Anaconda and there's no Dragoon to pop multiple monsters, like that attack boost will actually end up... Uh, it's a big swing, right? It's ba- basically a 1,000 attack swing because your opponents lose 500 attack. So it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty funny. It's essentially, for Cyber Dragons at least, it would serve almost like kind of like a Dark Ruler no more because like they're forced to negate that. Otherwise, like just all their monsters are <laughs> going to be sent to the graveyard. For, yeah, uh, definitely. For it's going to be an interesting card, and I think that that plus the Therian package mm-hmm. is really breathes a lot of life into both Earth Machines and Cyber Dragons. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so could you see yourself as a Cyber Dragon player playing the Therian King Regulus and things like that in the actual Cyber Dragon deck? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually play it right now. Uh, just like two Regulus and like uh, two to three field spells, depending on how much you can fit in your deck. Um, sometimes it's dead, but it, it's nice to have like another negate now that Dragoon is gone. So, right, I, I would sure. say like obviously they're expensive. So for people worried whether they need it, like you don't need it to play Cyber Dragons, of course. But I would say for like to, for it to be like the most optimal build, like most likely, yeah, I would say it's good to have. Definitely. So, and the other thing here to talk about is not only the the so you have the ABC also, which it adds another layer to that deck. That deck already has the ability to pop cards and banish cards. And now you're adding in the negate, which is just powerful. And especially when you handle multiple, multiple negates with the Griffin Rider also. So, And they typically also end with IP as well. So it's like another... And the ability to go into Underworld Goddess. Yeah, I, I guess suppose so, or like a classic unicorn play, but it's and and just ABC Dragon Buster just floats. It's it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that that deck is really cool, and I would love to see more of it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we will, because like I said, the deck kind of lives and dies by ABC or dies lives and dies by Union Hanger, but it's definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, of all of these decks. Which one are we most surprised to see in top cut? Swords Oltenyi, Punk, Branded, Flu, Striker, Drytron, Adagnister, DDD, Dragon Link, and ABC. And they're not necessarily in top cut, but maybe most surprised by 
the amount of representation or surprised by the lack of representation or are there any big surprise takeaways that you might have from this? For me, I personally, for the ones where there's just one deck, I actually would say it's not too, too surprising, at least in terms of like, if you were to pick a rogue deck to make it, like these were like, these were it. Like you basically got all the like best rogue decks. Um, I think maybe the punk having seven decks, I was surprised. I knew it was yeah. going to be good. I didn't think it would be this good. I thought I would expect a bit more flunder instead, just because I, I figured a lot of people might play that. But, yeah. yeah. So my thing about the uh, the amount of punk is I knew there was going to be punk Therian and punk adventure, mm -hmm. but punk uh, adventure, punk Therian only take out five of the seven punk decks. So I don't know what those other two were. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Like were they right. punk? Yeah. You're punk. Is punk just that good by itself? <laughs> I know. Punk, I don't know. Yeah, there used to be like punk Eldritch way back when punk first came out, but I don't. I think that was it for this one. I don't know. Punk is just... It's just cool, you know? <laughs> it, it rocks. Yeah. <laughs> punk, it rocks. Uh, <laughs> that was very funny, Caleb. Some, Do it someone again. made like uh, a Cyber Dragon Punk deck, so they call it Cyberpunk. So I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god! It's like saying Adam Emancipator rocks. It's like, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, some of the deck names have been really creative. I'm surprised to see. I I'm not necessarily surprised to see Sky Striker in top cut, <clears throat> but I'm surprised <clears throat> to see three of them in top cut, and I'm yeah. very disappointed in the community that it won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the funny part is only one of the most adventurous Sky Striker, too. That's actually not super surprising. I mean, it, I guess it kind of is, but. The other one cut all the adventure cards for like three to Mystic Mind, three Demise of the Land, and it's like... Fair. So. Yeah, I, I didn't expect three either. I expected just like one. I find it just always like, there's always just like one striker that tops, but... Yeah. <laughs> Only three things in life are, are uh, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's going to be a Sky Striker player in top. Yeah. At least one. Are we... Are we surprised by multiple Drytron? I, I gotta say, nope. I'm really not. I'm not. I'm not either. It's a cool deck. It's a really powerful deck. Mm -hmm. Like, and, I always respected Drytron. Even with Benten at one, I, like, super respected it. So, yeah. You have to, I think. Yeah, it's just because you so don't, it's going just, first. It's just the end of your day. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah if you don't <laughs> And I think that... The thing that really... Something that stands out to me here is did either of you see the deck profile for the winning sky striker list no no not yet somebody took a screenshot from the deck profile and added up the cost of his deck oh yeah, oh, it was yeah like no i did see that though i think someone tweeted that or something ninety one hundred dollars <laughs> which US which US. which might which some i had mentioned that was more than a full cost um Teledad deck. Teledad deck. Back when, uh, back when a uh, uh, gold sarcophagus was a prize card. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm not gonna lie, pretty crazy. Yeah. So I, I think I saw, like, I saw in the Facebook comments, uh, I, someone was saying he owns, he runs a locals or a card shop. I don't know how accurate that is. That's what I read. Yeah. 
I oh, it's not helped by just all the ulti Sky Strikers are close to 2k on their own. Yeah. And the Starlight Roses. Between the Starlight Roses and the ulti, like, ulti Kagaris are like 250, 300. Mm. Ulti Shizuku's, ulti Kaina, ulti yeah. all that. It, you're looking at, like, close to 3k. Just between the Starlights and the ultis. Yeah. And that's not including other things that are not within engine. Yeah, like Pot of Prosperity if he was running them, stuff like that. Mm. I don't think he was running Prosperities, but it's like, like... It's like starlight lightning storms and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? uh, Secret Forbidden Droplets. Or no, Ulti Droplets. Yeah, Ulti Droplets, Ulti Imperms. It's just like, sheesh. <laughs> we just got it. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, a good chunk of those cards, though, do have far cheaper printings. Uh, printings. Like, you know, you have the Super and the Gold Rare Imperms. Uh, I think uh, Rose comes as a, what, a Super or a Common? I think it comes as a Super, maybe an ultra. ultra? Yeah. And I think someone actually asked like how much would it be for the lowest, like cheapest variant. Someone someone said like it was like six hundred dollars. I'm not sure how accurate that was, but yeah. <laughs> certainly a big difference from nine thousand. For sure. So do we think that at this point to play an optimal build of any deck, looking at these decks, looking at these lists. Do we think that Yu-Gi-Oh! is cost prohibitive at this point? I think that there's something to be said for that, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because how many of these decks were not running Droplet? Because I know that's easier to Oh, that's... Count. I have no idea. I haven't looked at every deck list yeah. so far. I know that the... Like, if someone was to tell me, like, two of these decks did not have play set of Droplets, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I think the top four Sortsal Tenny deck... I don't think he was actually on droplets. Well, hi there. There you go. There's one. But, and I doubt the Fluanderies decks were on droplets, but then they were on Prosperities. So. It, it evens out. Yeah. 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 Plus the decks that are running Prosperity and droplets. Yeah. But I, I mean, don't know. Yeah, but I, I really do think it's Prosperity, Droplet, um,. Are like the two main cards I can think of that are very oh, and lightning storms that are very cost prohibitive. But when you look at decks like DDD and Adagnister, I don't think that those are extremely like they're, I don't think that those are like super expensive decks to play. You know? Well, yeah, yeah I think it I just mean, pretty, pretty much just purely comes from the staples essentially for those decks. Right? Because our Ash Blossom still thirty dollars a piece. Yeah. Yeah. Common, yeah, twenty-five, thirty, yeah. For the common, that's why I run secrets. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> this man. <sighs> all I have to worry about is there being an ulti or a ghost ash. That's all I have to worry about. Yeah, well, we, we still don't know what the, ult the other ultis are for the next OTS. We just know fallen of Alba. Is it? So who knows? I should actually will be Ash. I mean, they put Ghost Bell as Starlight. So, I feel like okay. they're just all I have to worry about is ulti like, ghost like, mm -hmm. OTS ulti ash OTS ulti ash speak it into existence <laughs> just to just to give them a bad day. But the secret rares just float to the top of my deck. It's awesome. <laughs> it's physics. Yeah. <laughs> so what would so what would we say are the best ratios right now, or not even ratios, but. The, some of the best cards that you can make sure that you're running in your deck list. 
to give you the best chance to compete with the meta as it's shaped right now. Uh, would either of you two have any ideas as far as cards that you think really you should be considering in your deck list? Uh, I mean, I think Ash will always be number one. It's generally the yeah. most played hand trap in every format, especially right now. I mean, brand of fusions everywhere, and it's just really good against that. Um, yeah. Just... There was one card that you said I should be maining, not siding, and I kind of went, hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. And then yesterday proved that you, uh, Saturday when we had that case turning, case turning, uh, proved that I'm dumb and don't know what I'm talking about. And you might actually have an idea in DD Crow. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, that card came up every time I drew it. Yeah, that card, turns out that card's really good. Yeah. Actually, Brandon Red? No. <laughs> yeah, I went. I went two one in my branded matchups over the weekend because I saw DD Crow. Literally every time they had branded in red, I had either DD Crow or Call by the Grave in my hand. It was awesome. Yeah, when I did my um, analysis of like most played hand traps among the Nats list, DD Crow was actually second after Ash and Ghost Spell sort of fell in favor. Uh, like so. And, and token collector was also pretty popular too. But Imperm's always up there as well. Imperm yeah. is personally like just like my favorite card, like in general of all time. It's a very cool looking card. It is. It's people. a Cyber Dragon card by art, so that maybe that's why I like it. But I think it's just it's a Cyber Dragon card without actually being a Cyber Dragon. Yeah, card. Imagine if you could search it, but even then it wouldn't. Yeah. But it, it's certainly cool. Oh card. my goodness! <laughs> you already have Infinity. Don't get greedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I think that DD Crow has to be considered, and I think that, and the best part about DD Crow is that they're dirt cheap. Yep. Yeah, they are. Lots of. And I think Ash and Imperm also are some of the most powerful. That that was my hand trap lineup this past weekend. I ran Ash, I ran Ash, Imperm, and DD Crow in my main, and it worked out really well for me. Um, I was actually also mating to Token Collector because mm -hmm. I'm Dino, so Token Collector is also an extender. Yeah. It's brutal to play against as a Sword Soul player. Um, I think that... Um, I think that I forgot my train of thought. Sorry. No, no, it's okay, it's okay. There was definitely something that I was going to say right here, and I don't remember what it was. Do you know Ghost Bell? Ghost Bell. Ghost Bell. So you mentioned that Ghost Bell is falling in popularity at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that that might be because while yes, it is a very good card against the branded deck, and it's good against other decks too, for sure. But I think the thing about Ghost Bell is that most of the time when you have an opportunity, like when they activate a card that would give you the opportunity to activate it, they either chain block around it or they or they have branded lost up and you can't exactly. do it. Yeah. So I think DD Crow sort of became more popular instead. Right. So, and honestly, shout out to Hani. Foolish Return is also a very funny and cool <laughs> card. <laughs> so what's crazy is Hani was playing. I don't know if y'all watch his deck profile. His deck was almost minimum rarity. Oh. Which is hilarious. Like he was running like common ash blossoms and stuff like that. Yeah, everything in his deck was like lowest rarity. 
just to T-pose on people? <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely don't know. But I added it up at lowest rarity, and it was still like over $1,000. Wow. So... Jesus. Yeah, that's kind of the state of Yu-Gi-Oh! at the moment. It's interesting that I feel like so many things are competitive and so many things are viable, and you can get away with so much. And at the same time, I really, I really have my reservations about the cost of the game right now because although I'm an established player who is running a sword soul deck that costs probably close to two thousand dollars, not everybody has that ability. So it worries me when the game gets expensive like this, where you have all these splashable engines like Punk. Punk is getting expensive. Foxy Tunes are $20. Things like that. Um, Deer Notes are like eight, 10 bucks. To be fair, I think a good chunk of that will, good chunk of that will change come September, November. Uh, September, October, November. Mm -hmm. When we get the next 10. Yeah, and that happened last year too, right? Because the Tri Brigade stuff all got reprinted, the Virtual World stuff all got reprinted, and the decks got, re got reprinted. Yeah, and a lot of decks and a lot of cards got really cheap. Mm -hmm. So it's possible. But I worry, because if you, even if you look at this time last year, you didn't have the game have such a high cost. Yeah. Virtual World was a relatively cheap deck to put together. Mm-hmm. Um, Cry Brigade, when it first came out, was cheap. It got expensive over time, but at first it was cheap. And then you're just looking at staples, essentially. I mean, at the time, when Cry Brigade was at its most expensive, I added up my deck and it was like $700, I think. $600. And it was higher rarity. And now, like I said, I just added up my Swords Old deck and it was like close to $1,500. $1,500 to $2,000. Now, granted... I have picked up many things since then, like Secret Rare Ash Blossoms, which inflate the price. But even so, when you're looking at a Tri Brigade deck that was running like a Secret Rare Access Code or things like that, or even the summer before that, or maybe the fall before that, when you're looking at like Zoo Eldritch, like that was a cheap deck. And you just don't see as many decks right now that are just cheap and competitive. Sure, you have your outliers like DDD and Adagnister. And honestly, Drytron is not the craziest deck except for the Diviners. Yeah. Which are spiking back up now. But overall, it worries me about the future of the game. So unless the reprint sets the Megatons and which the Megatons are slated to reprint a lot of extremely high impact, expensive, powerful cards. But even with the Megatons and even with maximum gold, unless Konami changes their reprint policies and the way that they structure some of these products, I genuinely do not see it, see it getting any better for quite a while. Yeah, and and also inevitably they always print the next you know staples that you need to have, which will also be expensive. Uh, although at least they're yeah. sort of changing it up for this Megaton, where they're actually reprinting certain cards that like traditionally wouldn't have been in like a Megaton because they're including like something from like even more previous sets than just like the past right. year. So that's a good start. They really need like Dude 2.0, but I know that. The sales for that initially weren't very good. 
so maybe that's why they've been hesitant but that that's like that the value of dude is just so good over time oh yeah, yeah. like i i should have bought three boxes of dude when it first came out but eventually like just like over time in the last two years i probably pretty much ended up buying like majority of the singles from that set <laughs> and ended yeah. up spending more that way i should have just bought the three boxes right from the beginning yeah, well, right when I got back into the game, our Walmart had some dual devastators, and this was like 2020, mm-hmm. so it was old at that point. And I bought three of them. I paid, or they were on sale, so I paid around 100 US dollars for them. Mm-hmm. Um, when normally they would have been like a 120 ish, 125, 130 after tax. So I paid right at like 98 dollars, I think, after uh, after taxes. And I have gotten my money's worth out of that time and time again. Between the ash blossoms that I have now traded away, uh, just different things like Solemn Strikes, DD Crows, Ghost Bells, Ghost Ogres. I mean, the Super the Poly, usage Gamma of Seals, like there's some good cards in there. Was Gamma Seal in there? Yep. I had to buy the yeah. singles because I could have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the car, the, the product was a. People didn't buy a lot of it because there wasn't really any gambling involved, yeah, if we're being it's honest. Just so, yeah, it's just so funny that, oh, yeah, we need more of them, but <laughs> people yeah, just people want to gamble, it turns out. <laughs> the way that you could structure that product is to do, instead of like, I think there was 56 guaranteed cards in that product, but instead of 56 guaranteed cards, you do like 30 guaranteed cards, and then like a pack of 10 random cards that could be... And of like 40 or 50 different cards yeah yeah and put them all as ultra or prismatic secret or something like that yeah no i agree and another thing is like i wish megatons would bring back the promos as well and good mm-hmm. promos too yeah right now the product that i wish they would make that they won't is me and caleb discussed this on the podcast before a time capsule so Whatever Time Wizard format they want to promote at that moment in time, they do a time capsule for that format. So, for example, if they wanted to do GOAT format, they could do a time capsule where you get like three decks. You get a GOAT deck, you get a Warrior Toolbox, and a Chaos deck. Mm -hmm. And so it's like three decks, kind of like what they do with these Speed Duel Battle City boxes and things like that, where you get multiple decks that are playable for you and your friends, and then you get a few packs that are essentially randomized to where there's like 24 secret rares and you get like eight of them. And if they did that for the different retro formats, imagine if they did one of those for Edison. That would go over so, so well. But, and it'd offer a reprints for a lot of more expensive cards for those formats. Things like Metamorphosis, things like Trap Dust Shoot, things like Royal Oppression. These are all cards that are close to $10 or yeah. higher, $15, for no reason other than... Has been reprinted in forever, a decade. Because they're banned, right. So that's something that I would like to see, but, you know, we'll see if that ever happens. So thank you so much for joining us. We would love for you to take just a moment before we close out the episode to plug all of your stuff where where can people find you and your content uh yeah it's youtube hakuna my data i do have twitter although i'm not really active uh but you know you can follow me on there too if you want 
we will absolutely also leave a link to your YouTube channel in the description down below. And for those that want just a little bit more info about the the content that you'll find there, like I said, it's a lot of competitive data based off of both dueling book results and actual event coverage. Things like what side deck cards are pretty prevalent in the format, things like overall what decks are people playing, a lot of the uh, top 25 I think mm -hmm. from Dueling Book, you use a lot of that data, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, from Scope, great site. Absolutely. And I would absolutely recommend checking out the information that is provided there because it is some of the most insightful information and in-depth analysis of meta that you will actually find on YouTube. It is personally one of my favorite channels on YouTube, and I do not say that lightly. <laughs> oh, thank you. Of course, of course. So with all that said, Let's go ahead and close out the podcast. Uh, I want to do the podcast question of the day real quick. So the last question that we did was, what is your most memorable moment from Locals? We had some great answers. Watching a Blue Eyes player activate Mystic Mind while both controlled one monster and then passing. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the guy who never played Flower, Flower Cardian play my buddy. He was playing Code Talkers. Round one and... Turn one ended with 10 minutes left in round. Big oof. Prohibition, call Eldritch, activate Mystic Mine. There's a lot of Mystic Mine in these answers. Nibiru four times in two games. Holy. Um, let's see. Went first time I went, I went for the first time to locals. I was 10 to 12 and the dude straight up gave me 200 plus cards with a lot of black wings and stuff. And this is 28 to 2008 to 2010. So very cool of somebody to do that um somebody actually uh tried to negate exodia with divine wrath yep can't do that uh somebody said that they actually saw somebody hard draw all five pieces of exodia in their opening hand no cheating no stacking just do it jesus some people are just better i guess <laughs> yeah uh opening packs at their locals and pulling a collector's rare torrential tribute and <laughs> just awesome. Um, two ultis get getting pulled back to back. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, personally, I saw a moment over the weekend where two guys were playing flip it or rip it. And the last pack, the dude was like, okay, last pack in the box. This one's a rip it. And they're doing flip it or rip it. And he... He rips one card, flips one card. Rips one card, flips one card. He rips one, flips it, and then gets the next one that he's supposed to rip. He's like, you know, someone's telling me not to rip this card. And flips it, and it was a starlight. <laughs> and he dodged the bullet by this much. I mean, so close. So, and today's podcast question of the day is a pretty basic one. But what do you think is actually... The best deck in the meta right now because i don't really think that it's necessarily a set answer i don't think that this is a clear-cut answer I, I i would say sword soul but i'm a little biased so yeah um i would probably say i would probably also say sword soul but that's just in my own personal experience up against despian therian right and what about you i'm interested yeah, I, I think it's Sword Soul, Brandon Despia. Just <laughs> can't go wrong with you, yeah. man. 
All right. Well, everybody, be sure to answer the podcast question of the day. Of course, in all the usual places, it'll be on Twitter. It will be on in our Discord server, which you should absolutely join if you're not there. And of course, as we leave, thank you again so much to our patrons. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, of course, to Mr. Hakuna Data for joining us today. <laughs> and with all of that said, of course, thank you all so much for joining us. And we will catch you Friday. Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.